Lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach me, Lord, just what to Welcome, say. everyone, to episode number 55 of a series of episodes that we are calling Leading Others to Christ. Uh, those of you that have been listening and watching, you know uh, what we do uh, with this podcast. And during these episodes, we're going to be focused on the subject of evangelism, obviously of how, how different ones are leading others to Christ in their community. And uh, one of our goals, and we have many, but one of them is, is really to stir us up, to stir people up to love and good works, but especially in the area of reaching our family, our friends, our neighbors with the gospel of Christ. My name is Dan Barker, and I preach for the Creekside Church of Christ in Franklin, Indiana. Uh, Franklin is about 20 miles south of downtown Indianapolis, Indiana, to give you an idea of where we're located. And I also serve as one of the shepherds. Um, those of you that know me know that I'm passionate about our topic today. Uh, uh, and I have been ever since I obeyed the gospel when I was 21 years old in Owensboro, Kentucky. Um, and ever since then, I, I've always been striving, and I want to use some Bible terms here or thoughts of, I've always been striving to teach others, to sow the seed, to be a fisher of men and women, to make disciples, to persuade men and women. Uh, and to teach others to teach. Even though I do preach, I see myself more as a teacher than I do a preacher, and I'm always looking for uh, better ways to, uh, to equip myself to, to teach others. And I always try, and I bring this up every episode, but remembering what Paul said to Timothy, and I think that it's such a simple thing he says to, but I think it's so profound. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 2, and the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men, obviously, and women, who will be able to teach others also. So we, we are to teach, and to teach others to teach. And, uh, and then later on in that same chapter, uh, and I've always liked this, he makes the comment there to Paul does to Timothy to be useful for the master, uh, prepared for every good work. So Last year, during all this COVID uh, frustration, I came up with this idea of doing a podcast and approached my friend, Matt Malden, to, to be able to help me with, do this. And what we wanted to do was to identify the Christians, the men and women, uh, fellow workers that are out there that are doing this, uh, that are leading others to Christ in their community. And once we've identified them, to interview them and learn more about them, why they do what they do, how they're doing their work. Uh, what challenge they have, and uh, just to see what we can do to keep each other motivated and doing the Lord's work. So today, we're so excited to have with us Zeke Flores from uh, Columbus, Texas. Welcome, Zeke. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for letting me come. Oh, well, yeah. Thanks for taking the time to do this. And uh, um, uh, and you work with the West Oaks Church of Christ there in Columbus, right? That's correct. I just moved to Columbus um about three and a half weeks ago. So I'm, I'm the new guy in town. You're the new guy in town. Okay. Um, well, that's good. Cause you'll be asking everybody about, well, where's the best barber shop or where's the best grocery, right? <laughs> Get, make well, all those. There is no best. It's a very small town. So there's only one of each. <laughs> <laughs> How big is the town? Have you heard of a population? The, the town's about 36, 3,700. But the local church here uh, is really impressive. They, they draw from a bunch of 
small towns that are that are all around us. Some folks drive as far as an hour to come to come worship wow. with us. Wow, that's great. That's great. Well, you know, even that as we go through the interview, as I said we feed off of comments of of the uh, of that. I mean, the 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 town that we're uh, working in, the size of the community, and like that. Of, of, in some places, people do that; they'll drive that far, um, and uh, it just makes uh, for an exciting thing there. So that's that's really good. I like to start out, Zeke, with what I call the the old. I don't know if you ever heard the old elevator pitch. Like if you you're in a big town and you get on an elevator and it's just you and me. And I say, so what do you do for a living? What, what, what do you, what's your name? What do you do? Uh, a, a short bio or the elevator pitch, if you will. Uh, tell everybody about Zeke, where, for example, where you were born, how old you were when you obeyed the gospel and kind of bring us up to speed. Wow. You want all that in a short time, huh? Okay. I know. Yeah. Yeah. You can do it. You can do it. Well, I'm 60 years old. I was born in a little town called Tucumcari, New Mexico. When I was a kid, we moved to another little town called Belen, New Mexico. And I spent most of my life there. I didn't move to Texas until I was 45. Uh, but when my wife and I uh, lived in, in Belen, New Mexico, we had a daughter. We still have a daughter. Our, our oldest daughter uh, started hanging out with uh, Tim Stevens' daughter. Tim Stevens was the preacher in in Belen. And we weren't anything especially religious. We just uh, uh, knew enough to be dangerous, so to speak. But when our, our oldest daughter st started hanging out with uh, uh, Tim's oldest daughter, Becky, uh, she got interested in going to church because, of course, Becky invited her. And uh, uh, I remember one time Heather came home. Uh, it after church, we didn't go with her. We, I stayed home. I was, I was far too wrapped up in too many bad things at that time. But she came home one morning after church and said, Dad, I, I'm going to be baptized today. Well, back then, the, the church was real small. They had to drive up to Albuquerque, which is about 35, 40 minutes north, to use one of the baptistries, and the church is there. Uh, and uh, I was already... Um, uh, into several of my favorite adult beverages at that time. And I didn't, I, I tried to talk her out of it. I, I said, why don't you wait until me and mom can go sometime? Cause I was, I, I didn't feel like going. And she said, you don't understand dad. I have to do this now. And she was right. I, we didn't understand. I didn't understand. And so one thing that I'll always regret is that I didn't go with her. I didn't, I didn't witness the most significant day of her life, but she went, she came back. And after that, she was just enthusiastic. She wouldn't miss a service. She was, they'd come pick her up for everything, for all the services, for Bible classes. And we still weren't going. So we started wondering, or at least I started wondering if maybe this was a cult or something. You know, I didn't, I didn't know what was going on with her. Well, we started, we started attending just to see what she was getting. And uh, I'll tell you, every time Tim preached, it was like he was pointing right at me. It was that's how convicting it was. And uh, I remember one time he was doing a uh, he, he's a song leader. You may or may not know he does song leading classes all over the country. Yeah. But he was doing a a series of song leading lessons for the men in the congregation there. And uh, I like to sing, so I started I started attending those. And I remember there was one time I had to work late. And I asked Tim if we could make up that session. And so we did. It was just he and I. 
but we didn't talk about song leading for a minute. That guy was nonstop evangelism at that point. He was telling me about, about the gospel and what I needed to do. And I was a little reluctant. And so finally he just said, go home and read the book of Acts. And so I went home and it's the only Bible book that I've ever read in this entirety. Of, in, 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 I did it in two sittings, not in one, but I, I read the whole book of Acts and, and everything he had said, just it's like a light bulb came on. And that was on a, that was on a Thursday night. The following Saturday, I was playing in our, our company softball game and we were playing in a doubleheader and my mind wasn't there. I was thinking about the book of Acts. I was thinking about what I needed to do. And uh, I was so out of it. They had me out in, in uh, uh, the far right field, which is where you put the guys who don't <laughs> know anything. Right. And I was I was I was standing out there minding my own business. And I was so deep in thought that a fly ball came and landed right at my feet. I didn't even notice it. Well, that's when I realized I, I told I, I told our coach, I said, I got I got to leave. My mind's not in this game. I went home and called Tim, told him I need to be baptized. So we instead of going up to Albuquerque to uh, to one of the churches, we went down to the muddy Rio Grande River and uh, mm -hmm. found a spot just deep enough where I could kneel and he could push me back. And and I was baptized. Uh, and then the week after he put me right to work. Wow, that was in. That was in 1994. So I was 33 years old when when I became a Christian. I was a, a little late to the game. Uh, wow. You know, that just thank you for sharing that. It, I, see, that's one of the things I love about this is that, you know, obviously we've not met in person. Um, probably 70 percent of the ones I've interviewed, I've never met them in person. I, I look forward to and I've said this. I look forward to meeting you one day, Lord willing. But uh but just to hear the stories and to hear the, uh, you know, it's like, uh, what if? I think this came up with Benjamin Lee. We mentioned him earlier. Ben was the first one we interviewed. He's uh, He lives there in Texas, too. But uh, he was telling the story, and, he, you know, and he's, he said, uh, what if? And uh, what if I, it's like, what if I never said anything to her? And that made, that triggered with Heather, right? Your daughter's name's Heather? Right, right. What Part of the thing was that, once she was baptized, she started badgering us nonstop to, to go to church with her because yes. she knew that the lifestyle that my wife and I were living, especially me, was not good. But it didn't it didn't keep her from doing what was right. She was a 14 year old kid and wow. uh, she had uh, more influence. Probably on our our conversion than anyone else, save Tim Stevens, he worked tirelessly to get us to to see the truth, but really it was our kid. It was our daughter who, uh, who was most significant in our conversion. So you've got your daughter, you've got there, but what if your friend, what if your daughter's friend had never invited her to services, you know, and then what if Tim didn't have time, you know, to, to follow up with you or, you know, it's like, uh, I, I love studying the providence of God uh, and, uh, and look back at people's stories and you go, well, how did how did I ever meet him? How did our paths ever cross, right? And uh, I just find all that fascinating. But uh, but now, what a great story that where your daughter actually ends up being the she and you know what I mean when I say that she was the evangelist uh, in, in leading you and your wife to Christ. She was she was uh, relentless, and I think she was just trying to make us better people. Right. And she saw that uh, 
that religion could could do that. Of course, she was a 14 year old kid. She was just getting started, didn't know all that much. But I remember when we finally my wife became a Christian before I did. Uh, Once we started attending, she was just as convicted and she made the decision to be baptized before I was. And I remember one night we went up to Albuquerque to, to, to baptize her. And this time I did go. Uh, I wasn't a Christian yet, but one of the one of the guys who himself was a new Christian, one of the members there who went with us, uh, pointed at me and he said, you're next, bro. And I said, no, I'm not, bro. <laughs> I, said, I, I, I thought I had a deal with God where I could do whatever I want. And he would wink and say, you're OK. And I could go my merry way. But of course, the more Tim preached and the more I listened, the more convicted I was, and the more I realized that uh, I'm going to have to do this God's way. And so we did. When my wife and I became Christians, we wanted to do it right. I'd seen enough, even though I hadn't been a, a Christian, I'd seen enough hypocrisy in my life to know that that's not what we wanted to do. And so we had to make uh, breaks with a lot of stuff that was difficult, at least for me, to make breaks with. I tried before and, and couldn't do it. Uh, and I'm not saying that anything was miraculous in the uh, uh, the freedom that I had when I became a Christian, but uh, I don't know how else to explain it. I mean, I, I, I got help with things that I never could stop before. Uh, and it's we never looked back. Well, it's, you know, there's so many things. Uh, and I say that a lot. It's like in every interview, there's so many things and in, in our time always gets away from us. But just like encouraging uh, our young people uh, in our congregations to uh, with their friends to look at their friends and and say, encourage them to invite their friends to services. Who knows what can happen? Right. And and some friends will come and uh, who knows, they might end up inviting a Heather Flores and end up leading a, where they she obeys and then leads to mom and dad and, and all the others that have been led to Christ uh, down through that time. Well, that's something that I think we need to reinforce and, and, and reaffirm in our in our kids just how instrumental they can be. I mean, our story is a perfect example of how uh, instrumental young people can be in leading others to, to Christ. I'm doing a, a, a lesson this this coming Sunday. In fact, we have a suggestion box and somebody had put in a, 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 a sermon request that, that, that simply reads children equals the future of the church. <laughs> and so I thought, man, there's so many different ways we could go with that. Um, and so my mission this Sunday is going to be to reinforce the fact that, that if our children really are the future of the church, then we've got to prepare them now to be that future. And they can do that by recognizing that they have a place. So oftentimes, young people don't feel like they've got anything to plug into, you know, except maybe when, uh, you know, the, the collection plate goes by and they get to drop their quarter or their dollar in there or whatever. That, you know, a lot of it is really geared towards adults. And we need to just make sure that our kids know that they have a place. They've got an important place. Well, and I, I don't know if you've been there long enough to tell your story, but you need to tell the Heather story, you know, <laughs> I haven't yet, but yeah. But I mean, I, what better way to, uh, to, you know, and I think the people would be looking at each other, even the young people going, wow, you know, and imagine that. But, uh, you know, another thing I was thinking about Zeke is the fact that with your story and your experience, 
you are better equipped to do what you're doing now because you you meet another family that, that like you guys were back then and you can you can just see you and, and him and and your family maybe you say what well, that's the way we used to be i used to think that way and uh, look how far that you've been able to come because of encouragement of others but you know what I mean when I say that you're better equipped to help others because of what you've gone through in your own life, in your own conversion. I think maybe one thing, and I've been told this before by, by folks that I've had the, the privilege to study and, and, and convert, um, is that my background is, uh, as a pagan uh, suits really what conversion is all about. Uh, I've, I'd, I did a lot of bad things. I'm not going to go into detail about all those things, but I'm, I'm really convinced that if I hadn't changed somehow, I'd have been dead before I was 40. But coming from the, coming from that kind of a background, I think gives me, Oh, I don't know what the right word for it. Maybe credibility is not the right word, but it gives me something. It, it, it may be an edge to, to talk with people because by and large, most people don't have the privilege of growing up in the church, you know, they, they come from, from varied backgrounds, dysfunctional families and, and all kinds of, of difficult circumstances. They need to, they need to know that there's hope. They need to know that there's a way out. They need to know that there's a a way to cope with all the frustration and the disappointment that they go through in life. And when they can see somebody who not only made a change, but was able to stick to it, I, I think that helps. No, I think it helps big time. Um, yeah, I've got to know that uh, that uh, you know if I'm if I'm around Zeke and I and I hear Zeke's story and and I see the changes that you've made and you've made a commitment, then that gives me the hope that well if, if Zeke can do it, I can do it, or at least that that comes part of my thought process. But you know, let me ask you this: uh, you've told it already in a way, but I, I like to ask. I, I have my own little notes here. Why? Uh, when you were a kid, did did you know? Did you experience this? People say, "Hey, Z, what are you going to be when you grow up? What are you what are you going to do when you grow up?" You remember that? Anybody ever asked you that when you were a kid? Well, I always had my own idea. I was going to be a rock star. You know, <laughs> it didn't happen. You, you know, you got to have hair to be a rock star. But well, anyway, you said, yeah, you said you like to sing. So is that where that came from? Yeah, I've, I've always liked to sing and I'm pretty good at belting stuff out. I'm, I'm just generally loud and okay. I like to, I always thought I was going to be a, a rock star. And so I started preparing myself for the def, decadent kind of lifestyle that a rock star would, would, would live. Um, you know, now what I was going to say is, okay, it's, uh, uh, and, and I think everybody can kind of relate to that because most of us, when we were little, you know, people would say, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And uh, so the question is, and I, you've already shared some of it here, but I, I could say, why aren't you a rock star? We won't go there. But why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you preaching? Why are you so motivated to lead others to Christ? Well, I'll tell you, if somebody would have told me before September 1994, that I would be preaching the gospel in Columbus, Texas, of all places. I'd have knocked them down because the idea was so preposterous. It would have been so preposterous to me back then. But I'll tell you, I, I told you that right after my conversion, uh, right after my baptism, Tim put me to work. 
that that was on a Saturday. He put me to work the next day reading scripture. And then he started working with me to to put together a a talk. And what was supposed to be a a Wednesday night invitation turned into a Sunday sermon. And I remember my the first time I preached, it was terrible. (laughs) It was it was awful. I mean, it was long and rambling. Uh, but when it was done, I was invigorated. I mean, I thought, I want to do this again. I want to learn how to do it better. And I always thought that if I'm going to do something, if I'm going to say something, first of all, it's got to be true. Yes. And second of all, it's got to be applicable. People have got to know that what that what I say is, is somehow going to help them. You know, you mentioned Second Timothy just a moment ago. I was looking at First Timothy chapter four, where. Paul says in verse 12, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Show yourself an example of those who believe. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things, be absorbed in them, so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Now, I, I know that was a long reading, but the last verse I read, 1 Timothy 4.16, really encompasses everything for me. I want to I save people. I want to be saved. And the only way to do that, or at least one way to do that, is to show people that there is something to be enthusiastic about in Christ. Far too often, people look at Christianity as a list of things that you can't do. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't have any fun because I'm a Christian, right? People have got to see that life in Christ is is fun, but more than fun, it's purposeful. It gives us a way to live, a way to cope. It gives us joy, which is far deeper than happiness. I mean, there's so there's so many good things that outweigh the the, the so-called negative aspects of Christianity, and we need to stress those things. Well, we really do. And, uh, you know, just think about it. Uh, it uh, and I, obviously we haven't met before, as I said, but I can just see your energy and your enthusiasm. And uh, um, I think that um, uh, one, one of the things that you made me think of is just once you've, uh, and this will lead to my next question, but once we've been involved in helping lead somebody to Christ, once we see them, uh, turn away from sin and, and make a commitment to start following Christ. Uh, you talked about fire and enthusiasm. Don't you think that helps keep us going? I mean, that's a silly question because it's like once we've experienced that, you, you want to go, who else, who do they know? Who else can I talk to, right? The, the energy that comes from sowing the seed. Well, you talked about 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, where, where Timothy has to be ready to, to, to teach other men. But that teaching is an ongoing thing. Far too often, we, we treat baptism as though it's the end of our spiritual journey and not the beginning. And what we've got to do once we get somebody into the baptistry is to continue to develop them. We need to make sure that there are, that there are, are, are classes or even one-on-one uh, uh, opportunities for, for new converts to, to grow in the faith, to get a deeper, a deeper grasp, not just on, on the important aspects of the work of the church, the organization of the church, the worship of the church, all that stuff, but also who they are. 
in Christ, what, what the Lord requires of them and, and, and the example that they can be, just like Paul told Timothy, be an example to others. And, and part of that is, 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 is getting into the word of God so that the word of God can get into you and you can show to others the impact that being a Christian has on your life. And I just think that far, far too often we drop the ball when it comes to teaching people after they become Christians. Well, you know, one of the things that I that I've learned is that, and it's going to sound negative, but there's so few. Uh, we've come we've come into contact with quite a few stats on the number of congregations, the number of congregations that are closing their doors, um, uh, and just dying really, and uh, because of of the for whatever reason there hasn't been that energy or that work being done in those communities of reaching out to others. And, uh, uh, and it's so sad to see that happen, but, uh, but I've asked several over the years, well, what kind of a new converts class do you have? You know, using that language. And I've had so many say, uh, we don't have one. We don't even, we don't have one. And in a lot of places, the ones, uh, the ones that are obeying the gospel are, say, the children. They still have young, young, young families. And uh, so the young, young people are obeying the gospel. Well, they're already in a class, and they just leave them in the same class that they're in. And, uh, but somebody like you or me may be coming in off the street that ends up obeying the gospel. Uh, they, don't, they don't even think about or plan on what to do for them. And like you say, it's just the beginning. I'm a babe in Christ. And all I've learned, I know that I've, I've learned what I need to do to obey the gospel, but what's next? What else do, What else is involved here? And uh, so that's, that's, we could talk about that for a long time, couldn't we? Yeah, new, new convert classes are invaluable, but there's so many different ways you can go because people are at different levels and places when they become Christians. Some people, uh, when you mention Jonah and the big fish, they have no clue what you're talking about. They know it's a Bible story, but they don't, don't really know much about it. Others maybe have been, like I said, raised in the church, but they need to get a firmer grip on what the, the mission of the church is. There's just so many different ways you could go. And I think the best way is small group studies, maybe even just just you and the person to so you can tailor what they you can tailor the lesson they need to know to their situation where they're at. Yeah, that's good. Um well, Matt just raised up. You just showed me five. You know, we got five minutes left. Can you believe wow. it, Z? I that know. was fast. No kidding. Yeah. Um, tell us. Uh, I call it a conversion story. Now, I'm, do I have permission to use your conversion story in the future? Can I? Can I tell that story? Well, it's not copyrighted, so I guess you can have it. <laughs> <laughs> tell me of a story that you'd like to share with our audience of. Uh, someone that you've been involved with and, and, uh, and helping them uh, obey the gospel that, 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 that comes to mind when you think about this topic. When I was preaching in Angleton, Texas, not far after I got to Texas, um, a, a friend of one of the members came one day and he was, he was going through some difficulties with uh, drug abuse and homelessness and all kinds of stuff. He had just gotten himself into a bad situation. And, um, uh, one night after a Wednesday night uh, Bible class that he had attended, I just asked him if he wanted to study the Bible. I asked him, do you want, do you want to read the Bible together? Some, sometimes the word read is a lot more disarming than the word study. 
Yeah. And so I just asked him, do you want to you want to read the Bible together? And he said, sure. So we started reading the Bible together. And of course, every passage that I chose had something to do with the situation and how to get out of it. Um, but I'll never forget years later, he still struggles with all kinds of things. It's it's he's he's got a tough situation. And 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 all these years later, he still has a hard time. But he says, I'll never forget that what made the biggest difference for me was just you coming and saying, do you want to read the Bible together? And sometimes that's as simple as it is just asking somebody. So often we think that 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 uh, uh, conversion has to be confrontational and it, and it doesn't have to be. No. It, it can be as simple as just asking somebody, you know, like uh, like Philip did with the eunuch. Do you, do you understand what you're reading? How about we read together? No, that's good. Uh, yeah, it, we make it too hard. And we, you know, Satan's really good, isn't he? I mean, he's really bad, but he's good at what he does of, uh, of planting the negative thoughts and the, putting the fear in our minds and saying, well, I can't do Zeke can do this or Dan can do this, but I, I, I don't, I'm not equipped. I can't do that. Um, but yes, we can. And uh, there's, there's things that we can all do and have different roles that we play. Um, you mentioned the, uh, just real quick, you mentioned your radio program a while ago. Uh, share that with us real quick of what you do with that. What we, what we do at the West Oaks is we have a short 25-minute, uh, it's called the First Assembly. And it's just a, because we're a rural congregation, we do all our stuff on Sunday morning. And so our First Assembly is about 30 minutes long. We do about five minutes of prayer and singing. Um, and then there's a, a short 25-minute lesson we get a ridiculously low rate from our local radio station for a 30-minute spot and so we just record that lesson uh and it comes on sunday morning at 10 30 on kulm it's 98.3 here in in our area uh but we do that for the benefit of people looking for something religious to listen to on sunday morning and and some of it's also for the benefit of our own uh, uh shut-ins but it's just a short lesson and i try to because I've got 25 minutes to reach people. I want to make it as evangelical as possible. In other words, I want to make it as evangelistic as possible. That's a better word for it. I want like the one that you said you listened to the ideal audience. Yes, um, I want people to know that any audience can be ideal if they'll just listen to the right message and make the right response. And so I've got 25 minutes to make that pitch. Well, as you said, I, I listened to it and it was really good. Uh, and I encourage our audience to, to go and listen to, to what you're doing there. We, uh, we, I, we close this out with uh, what I call the one thing. So somebody's listening to this, Zeke, and maybe they used to be involved in trying to lead others, but for whatever reason, they stopped, they, uh, uh, their fire's gone out. And, and let's say that somebody's listening and they're saying, I need to do this or I need to start doing this. What would you say to somebody that's thinking that way? What's one? I know there's more than one thing, but what's one thing that they could do to get started in leading others to Christ? Probably, I don't know. There's so many ways you can go with that. But one important thing I think is remembering that the, the mission field is all around you. It's your neighbors. It's your friends. It's the people that you go to to soccer games with, with your kids. It's it's everybody all around. You don't have to travel to distant lands to to convert people. I mean, there's there's value in that for those who get to do that. But I live in a town of thirty six hundred people and 
even though we're in the Bible Belt, it's a very religious town. Truth does not abound. And so my job here is to make sure that the people that I invest myself in, the, the, the barber that I go to, the folks at the Walmart, that people get to know me and that I genuinely want to share with them something that is going to drastically change their lives for the better. The mission field is all around us. Yeah, that's, that's so true. It's, uh, yeah, to go into all the world, it's like going into my world, right? You know what you ought to do? You ought, What's that? Well, part of your story, you need to go to some ball games and look for some right fielders. <laughs> yeah, hopefully those who can actually catch the ball right. <laughs> oh, I had to do that. That's, a, that, that's great. Uh, all right, listen, uh, we're out of time. Uh, and we could go on and I, I want to stay in contact with you. And in fact, let's say that somebody wanted to uh, follow up with you, Zeke, because uh, we've had that happen. What, what would be, a, if it's okay, what would be a good way for somebody to reach out if they wanted to talk to you some more? Well, you can call my uh, helpline at 1-900-BIG-ZEKE. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> my, my email address, I'll just give that to you. It's uh, okay. my name, ZekeFlores1 at gmail.com. And you can you can get a hold of me there, and I'd love to talk with. I, I love to talk about Jesus. So let's read the Bible together. No, that's that's good. I, I like that. I love to talk about Jesus. Uh, that'd be a good song. Is there a song? Yeah, right. Have you ever written? <laughs> hey, have you ever written a song? Uh, yeah, but they're pretty rocky. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> well, you ought to. You know, you ought to write one. You know, maybe that's it. I love to talk about Jesus. If if that's not a title that's been used, but. I'm Listen, pretty sure it has. Oh, well, hey, thanks, brother. And uh, keep up your good work there. And I know uh, you've just been there three, you said three weeks, right? Uh, so Going on four. I'm, I'm going like I four. said, I'm very much the new guy. Well, you know, we'll pray for you and uh, keep up your good work there. And uh, keep those people, uh, get, I know they're excited and enthused about you being there, you and your wife being there. What's your wife's name? Her name is Cheryl, and actually, she's not here yet. I'm I'm living here because we're waiting to sell a house uh, in Baytown, Texas, and uh, she's living there until the house sells. And I'm in a rental house now, which is very much a bachelor pad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even think about a conversation we can have on that of, of the challenges, because uh, most people don't think about that when if preachers move. What does that look like? You know, if they have family and they're you know move and just the, just the dynamic of all that is it's it's uh what well, I, I remember years ago uh like on a list of uh what would, what was the list called it's like the the number one uh most troubling things or the troubling things that that happen in life one is death and the second one is moving uh <laughs> it's like because it's so uh uh so traumatic with all the changes that have to be made but keep up the good work there and uh encourage your wife and and again thanks for doing this today Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Melt my heart and fill my life. Give me one soul today.